Hello people, this is the Mad Scientist Supreme, talking today about rocket engines. Now I came across this article in Popular Mechanics, November, December 2023, page 22, when the aerospike engine will change space flight. Well, they've come up with a, well, slightly new design for a rocket engine, and I think you can f essentially fly into space with this. And it's a good idea. I will say it's a nice new design that kind of looks weird. And I went, how could I make that better? Well, I, if you took what's called a ramjet engine, and you ramjets don't work well, standing still. You have to speed up almost to the speed of sound for a ramjet to function. Because the air comes in, is compressed, fuel is added, it's lit, and explodes out the back. Well, without that internal pressure caused by the rocket moving forward, you don't get the explosive compression and I says, okay, well, how can we make that better? Well, electricity can electrify air and force it to move in the directions you want it to with magnets. If we were to take a highly charged um, Tesla coil, and put that at the very front of your jet engine or your ramjet engine. Now, it's going to spark. And those sparks, you can aim toward the center, surround the Tesla coil with rotating magnets. You have a magnetic field, and when electrons move, and they move through a magnetic field, the shape of the magnetic field determines how the electrons are going to move. So you put an enormous amount of electricity up there, you know, million volts, and then force the electrons to move toward the center. They're going to arc through the air, which electrifies the air, which forces the air toward the center. So as the rocket is going forward, the air is being compressed and more magnetic fields can then force that air into the small column and add fuel and ignite it out the back and you've got your rocket, well you've got a jet engine. Now this jet because it won't have very many moving parts, if any, can achieve great speeds. So if you've got a rocket with a huge opening up the front, or a jet engine, I should say, with a big opening up the front, and the actual payload around the body that is thinner, you don't have as much wind resistance. There won't be as much drag.
and you can direct the rocket's or the jet engine's path by varying the output. So you change the direction of the output and you change the direction of the path. So you can get this thing going up to very high speeds, let's say several times the speed of sound, and as it reaches the upper atmosphere, it'll be bringing in more air because that magnetic field can reach out past the surface and start collect, collecting air before the jet engine actually gets to it. And then, as it nears space, you start adding oxygen from tanks for that added little boost to actually get into orbit. And then, of course, it'll deorbit and land, refuel, and go up again. Different ways of getting to space, if we can find the cheaper way for the moment, we can make a lot of money. Now, at our current technological level, that's about where we are. Now, there's a story I like to talk about that I read or saw on the History Channel. When they were building the Brooklyn Bridge, they had all these steel cables. And the steel cables had to be a certain quality. You had to have high enough quality steel cables in order to make the cut so you could put up the steel cables to keep up the Brooklyn Bridge because if there were lower quality steel cables the bridge itself would collapse. Well there was a contractor that was cheating. He would have his lower quality cables loaded up, have a one truck with high quality cables on it, have that uh, truck inspected and then take the inspection sticker and put it on the low quality truck send that through bring up another low quality truck have the same high quality truck re-inspected and keep switching and switching and when he was eventually caught the bridge was half constructed and they said oh we're going to have to take out all these cables and it's going to take time and money. And the engineer in charge said, no, no. The steel cables that are low quality, they will still bear some weight. We'll just double the amount of cables so that the high quality steel will make up the difference. So the Brooklyn Bridge has about twice as much cable as it was originally designed for. So, you, by adding more cable, you ended up with a stronger bridge. Well, if we're going to build a ladder to space, which we should, by the way, um, they keep saying, well, you need pure carbon fibers, and you need them thousands and thousands of miles long to reach from 20,000 miles up and one cable going up, one cable going down. And when the total cable is 40,000 miles long, it can touch down on Earth. And they keep envisioning it as one 
single cable. Well, in actuality, at the center point, you could have a thousand cables thick. And the first cable just goes down, let's say, a thousand miles. The next goes down 2,000. The next one, 3,000. And at 20,000 miles, you end up with a cable that reaches all the way to the earth. But no individual one cable needs to be strong enough to span the entire distance. It can be supported by other cables along the way. So, eventually, we will build a ladder to space. But before we get there, there is a lot of money to be made in sending up rockets, rocket planes, scramjet engines, etc. There's any way that you can get payloads close to space or in space you are going to make some money. And of course, my second favorite idea is spin launch, where they're developing a huge electronic arm that'll spin up the payload to 20 times the speed of sound, throw it into space, just using electricity instead of rockets. Much more efficient, but also very cost-intensive or cost um, intensive to get the first one built. But once it's built, it doesn't take all that much electricity to throw things into space. So, this is a rather long commentary today. Thank you very much for listening. Our different ways of getting to space. This is the Mad Scientist Supreme, signing out.